Sasha. Hey, Courtney. Why did the Salem witch trials happen in New England? I don't know. Why? Because it's wicked spooky up there. Go socks. Uh, Park your car in the car park. It's spoop hour. <laughs> I'm walking here. I can't turn it off now. a paranormal comedy podcast hosted by two Halloweenies from the D.C. area and not New England. So sorry to our New England listeners who are like, hey, I don't talk like that. I know you don't. You've heard me do the accents for other people and now you've experienced it. Anyway, Mm -hmm. I got my donkeys. I'm so sorry for the accent. It was New York meets Boston meets I don't even know what, but it's wicked spooky in here. Anyway, that one's Sasha, this one's Courtney. You can find us on the internet at Spoop Hour on Twitter and Instagram, and you can email us at spoophour at gmail.com. These are all true facts. Speaking of listener stories, a while back when we did our Campfire Stories spoop episode, my mom sent us a new Campfire Story. Mm-hmm. She would like to apologize for the autocorrect. I have not read it beyond, like, the first line. So whatever the autocorrect is is going to be just as much of a surprise for me as it is for you. So let's do this. Once upon a time, there was a boy named Freddy and a girl named Courtney. They were very lucky children because a rich great-uncle from Africa died and left them a gigantic mansion with enough money so they never had to work a day in their lives. That is true. That is how I got my start. (laughs) <laughs> of course, the boy named Freddy and the girl named Courtney moved in immediately. Of course. It was so fun exploring all the rooms. They had everything anyone could possibly want. A cook to make all their meals, a butler. Every floor had its own maid. There was a basketball court, a tennis court, horse stables with five beautiful horses, and a stable person to ca- take care of the horses. There was a pond and ducks and swans. The grounds were lovely and the gardens exquisite. On the first night, after the staff went home, there were strange noises. Chains were rattled, and heavy footsteps were heard. Freddie and Courtney heard children giggling throughout the house and loud voices. I would move out. Freddie and Courtney were so scared they hid under their covers because that's what one does to stay safe. Drew, they can't get you under their covers. The next morning, the house was full of sunshine and beauty and perfect once again. The maid delivered breakfast in bed and laughed at the silliness of what Freddie and Courtney heard the night before. (laughs) It's an old mansion. It's just settling. It was such a fantastic day that Courtney and Freddie forgot about what happened the night before. Maybe it really was just settling noises, they thought. As it grew dark, however, the noises started again. It's never just settling noises. There was howling and thunder and lightning. The electricity went off with a clap of thunder and a huge lightning strike. The cell phones and landline were dead. 
Freddie and Courtney hid under the covers once again, even though it was only 8 p.m. All of a sudden, there was a loud knock on the door. Freddie and Courtney were too afraid to move, but soon decided it may be the staff coming to rescue them. They creeped down the stairs and opened the door. There was a soaking wet box on the doorstep with what looked like blood dripping out of it. Freddie and Courtney were too afraid to open the box, but somehow decided to anyway, since that's what people living in spooky haunted mansions did. Slowly, they opened the box. Blood gushed out, and there was a note inside attached to a wrapped gift that was also soaked in what appeared to be blood. (laughs) Courtney said nonchalantly, well, we might as well open the gift, because people living in haunted mansions always do that, too. It's true. Inside the box was a brand new red basketball and a very large tub of goo with blood oozing out. A note inside said, Dear Freddie and Courtney, I hope you're enjoying your new home. Here is a bright red basketball for your court and some lovely red ball cream to keep it shiny and new. Love, your new neighbor, Sasha. <laughs> Sasha. P.S. We've been having our friends and their ten children visiting, so we hope we haven't been too loud and disturbed you late at night. <laughs> Sasha, what is ball cream for a basketball? My mom wrote this story, so I can't make the jokes that I want to, but... But she understands she that knows. we're constantly solicited for ball cream ads, <laughs> which what we will we not... Say? No ball cream ads, even from you, my mom. But thank you I, for writing a story. I love your mom. I love my mom, too. But no, <laughs> no ball cream. You can email us about basically anything else, but not ball cream. <laughs> but what about basketball cream? Basketball cream. Oh, my God. I can't. If you, like my mom, want to write us a spooky campfire story, please do so. Spoophourgmail.com. It can be about ball cream, I guess. I'll just, you know, I'll razz you a little about it. But What I do love is that we still don't know what's the deal with this haunted house, but we no. do know that Sasha is your neighbor. Sasha lives and- next door and gives weird housewarming <laughs> gifts. So that's good. Yeah, it's like, what were the chains then? They had 10 children visiting. Are the children on chains? Maybe it was like, it wasn't just, cha- it was like, a, you know, the basketball hoops that oh, are made out the, of chains? Like, metal, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it was one of those. Huh. Or swings, like a swing set? Yeah. Also, you know, I would just you sell know. the mansion. Then, for those who, most of you probably don't know, Freddie is the name of my brother. Then we split the and earnings. Sasha's the name of your friend. Yeah, Sasha's the name of my friend. You guys don't know that, but that's I have a friend named Sasha. You don't know her. She goes to a different school. but She lives in Canada. She lives in Canada, but she's very real. So I would just sell, I would simply sell the mansion, and then we'd split the profits, and then we could both buy, like, property of our choosing that isn't super haunted. I was just thinking that it would just be like that house in Venice. Yes, <laughs> I could buy the Palazzo Dario with or my rather, half of the profits. Or rather, this haunted house is like the Palazzo Dario. Also true. Where it's like, you don't have to live there. You, you inherited it. You don't have to live there. Just you can just, just sell just it. Let, this, let the records show, just because you inherited something doesn't mean you have to live in it. Right. I, years ago, my mom and my brother were watching 13 Ghosts, I believe is mm-hmm. the name of the movie, with Tony Shalhoub from Monk, playing a very <laughs> non-Monk-like character. And for some reason, I was like, I'm cool. I can watch this. I was, like, in seventh or eighth grade. And the the premise is, like, their uncle died or whatever and left them the house. But they the, in order to keep the house, they had to stay in it because there were a bunch of other competitors for inheriting the house. And so whoever could last to pass midnight or whatever 
they were the one who could keep the house. Mm-hmm. But there's 13 ghosts that live there, and one of them has to die. I don't, I don't fully remember the plot, but like that just reminds me of there's a Simpsons episode where they inherit a house, and like it's super spooky, and mm-hmm. they have to spend one night in the house or whatever. I mean, that's then, classic, like Scooby Doo. Th- and then conceit. the next morning, it just like cuts to the next morning, and it's like super sunny, and they go, "Oh wow, like I haven't had a good night's sleep in years. Like that was the best, you know, that mattress was great, you know." I was like, that's, that's the kind of energy I want. Yeah, and, like, over the course of 13 Ghosts, like, a bunch of the people die because they're bad people, and then I think ultimately uh, Tony huh. Shalhoub sacrificed. I don't know. I went to bed before, because yeah. after watching the movie for, like, an hour and a half when there's only, like, 20 minutes left, I was like, I can't do this anymore. This is too Mm-mm. much for me. I went to bed. And then I asked my mom the next day, like, what happened? And it's, like, Tony Shalhoub sacrifices himself to save his kids, and then all the ghosts are freed, and he gets to still be alive or something like that. I don't know. But basically, what that movie taught me is just because you inherit something doesn't mean you can live in it. True. Just leave it. Just sell it. You know, real estate is hot right now and always. Yeah. Anyway. Cool. Anyway. Thank you for the story, Mom. Yeah. Thank you for the story, Mom. Top tier. (laughs) Did anything spooky happen to you this week? Sasha. Yes. This is last week. I (laughs) took out the trash with my husband, as we do. But it had been raining. For a second, I misheard that as I took took out the trash like my husband. I was like, damn. No. no. Uh, No, we we take out the trash. And usually when we take out the trash, we try to do it like right after I come home from work. So it's still light out. Mm -hmm. But the that Thursday, or sorry, that Wednesday, it was downpouring uh, mm. very bad. And so it didn't stop raining until after it got dark. And so I was like, okay, well, like, we'll just use this break in the weather to, to go get it. And my idiot ass, not grabbing, like, our little headlamp, decided, I'm just going to run out there and, like, it'll be fine. Sure. Like, I just the quick, faster we do it, the better. As I am rolling the trash cans down the grassy hill on the side of our house... I trip on a very large stick and I was like, ah, what is happening? But then the <laughs> stick like felt Uh-oh. not stick like against my skin. Like I expected to feel like scratched up because I was wearing shorts. Sure. And then I felt like it like I like had gotten stuck in it. Mm. And then I just kind of shook my leg out and then kept going towards the trash can uh, to, to deliver the trash can to the, to the, to the street. And then I went back for the recycling bin and I looked at where I had tripped on something. And instead of a large stick that I was expecting to see, I saw a very large black blob. And I was like, again, it's very dim outside. Sure. I'm like kind of straining my eyes and like start kind of bending over to get close to what it is. It was a very large black rat snake. No. <laughs> it was just like kind of sitting in a pile. I did not kill it. I thought I might have killed it because I stepped on it. But oh. what had happened was it like shot itself up. And that's when I thought I saw a stick. It shot but it was actually like a snake. One of those, like those pranks where it's like, oh, do you want some party peanuts? Like, and you party open up peanuts, and the yeah, snake it, shoot out. That, so the, the long black thing that I had tripped on was the snake trying to like get out of my way. And it was like just big and coiled. And I was like, are you still alive, buddy? And it like raised its and head it was and like, looked at and me. And it I was like, nodded and said, yes. And I like ran to the house to go get my phone and the headlamp. Cause I was like, I need to have my God. I wanted to take photos. Right. But by the time I came out and Jack was like tailing me with the, 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 
recycling, sure. it was gone. Well. But then I had the headlamp and everything, and I was like, well, shit, there's a snake somewhere in our yard. Like, I don't want to step on it again. Because, like, so I'm pretty sure it was a black rat snake. It was just solid black. And I, yeah. I looked up, I, I looked online. Well, because I described it to one of my friends, and then he was like, it's probably this. It seemed to be that. Even though it was very dim, I didn't see any bands or anything. Because earlier this summer, at in my parents' neighborhood, the same friend who gave me the information, he his daughter and her friend ran down to the creek that kind of goes through between my parents' block and his block. And they were playing in the woods and daughter's friend stepped on a snake, but it was one of our venomous friends that live in Northern Virginia. It wasn't the cotton mouth, but it was something else. Copperhead? Yeah, copperhead. And bit her. And oh, she, ended no. up in hos- she ended up in hospital. Jesus. Um, but she's fine now. Well, it, but this yeah. is like, we're, we're talking about like a, the second grader getting yeah. bit by, uh, so it was, it was pretty bad. Yeah. So I was definitely like, well, nothing bit me, so that's probably okay. But that was like the spookiest thing that I think happened to me. It's fair. The other spooky thing that happened to you is you finally went to Bunny Man Bridge. Oh, yeah. Well, Not to tell actually, you your business. Yeah. That's actually, today was my second time going to Bunny Man Bridge. Oh, that's right. You went. You yeah, went, I went. Uh, yeah, but I went to Bunny Man Bridge today again because I was with Julia again. Julia, who took me to Bunny Man Bridge the, the first, first time, time earlier this summer. That's her move. We had another friend with us. We had Steph, mm-hmm. and we were going to Fairfax from DC mm-hmm. because it's my it's it's our birth month. Sure, yours and mine. Yes, it is the and birthday s- season. I am very busy this month, so today we decided to go out for our my birthday lunch. Um, so we went to get sushi in D.C., and then we had to drive to Fairfax because we were getting our booster shots <laughs> because we are teachers, Yay! and that is a, a place that you can get COVID, yep. and we don't we don't want COVID. No, but so but we need to kill time, so we drove out to Clifton and got ice cream and then as you do went to bunny man bridge sure. <laughs> and and julia did the thing where she drove into the tunnel and then stopped the car <laughs> we were like, what are you doing She's letting the bunny we, man get we, you. we drove in we turned around and then we drove back into the tunnel and she stopped the car and rolled down the windows <laughs> and i was like this is somehow much worse the second time <laughs> <laughs> and then a man in a bunny costume came out yeah, the next step is to go at night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. one of these days. When you I'll go, go at, out night, there at night, please take me. I've never been at night. I've only yeah. been at like four in the afternoon on a right. weekday. So, like, because that's least the thing is time. like, it's just a normal private road. Yeah, it's like, not. It's not that exciting. It's not. It's not actually that exciting. But I can see that it would be very scary at night, it's, especially like in the fall after like the when the leaves are just kind of scuttling over mm-hmm. across the ground because it's windy or whatever. And like, yeah, but when yeah. when the trees are still green, and the sun is out. It's like, oh, this is just a tunnel to go to the houses on the other side. But yeah. it definitely, I, I can tell that it would have spooky vibes. But I sure. did go there again. Sure. Still have not been to the brewery yet. But oh yeah, that's right. I keep forgetting. But eventually, I will get out yeah, there. Eventually, we'll get out there. It's just exciting. It's named after our favorite local yeah. urban legend. So it's like we we gotta go. We gotta go yeah. see them. Support get, get your a local t-shirt. cryptids kind of deal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, sure. We're sorry, like Bunny Man's not as big as Mothman, but no. we gotta we gotta you know we gotta support him. Yeah, he's our he's our little guy. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? What spooky bullshit has happened to you lately? Well, first of all, I'd like to thank everybody for allowing us to bump the schedule a week. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't last week. I wasn't still on vacation. I was just like, nah, can we just not this week? 
first of all, I was on vacation. I went to Vermont. It was yeah, nice. We went on a ghost tour when we were in Albany. We spent the night in Albany on the way up to Vermont. And it was a sweet little ghost tour. I don't want to name it and put it on blast. It was led by a very sweet old man wearing a bowler hat and reading off of index cards. And he was doing his best. And he was really charming. And especially when he wasn't reading from the cards, he was doing a really good job. But, you know, it was basically a Hamilton tour as well. Because a (laughs) lot of the spots in Albany, there's like a Philip Schuyler statue. There's a Lafayette thing. Like, it's it's just, it's Hamilton on Hamilton. And I was like, so really, this is a Hamilton ghost tour. Although none of the ghosts were Hamilton related. They were all like politicians and like gangsters and stuff like that. Then we got to Vermont. And right as we crossed the Vermont border, Spoop Hour got its very first piece of hate mail. So, (laughs) first of all, I was wondering if you were going to mention talk about this. Of course, I was going to. I'm going to run my mouth about this. I've been waiting for this for weeks. So, first of all, I had literally just crossed the border into Vermont. We stopped the car, and I was like, "Oh, look, an email. Let me click on it." And it was just the subject line was some thoughts, and I'm like. Uh-oh. I just had a bad vibe. I feel like, you know, most of the times when, you know, you lovely people email us, you don't open with some thoughts. Some thoughts. You say, like, oh, this is my favorite place, or I've been there, or let me tell you about my spooky thing. You know, mm-hmm. not never spooky just... spooky story. Your spooky yeah. story. Not just some thoughts. So, yeah. opened with, like, love what you're doing, keep up the good work. And I was like, okay. And then it just devolved from there. We won't get into the details of what was said. On the off chance that that person is still listening, I'm not fucking sorry and I'll do it again. So, (laughs) (laughs) basically somebody listened to a hundred and some odd episodes and then got mad at our politics, which, my God, you put up with a hundred hours of it. I don't know why that was the tipping point. Maybe reflect on that, why it was specifically related to the events of last summer. Right, because I think we, we've never shied away from what our no. politics are. Yeah. So. so it was just, it was kind of funny. It was like, was it just that they randomly found those episodes? or No, I think they were did, listening through from the beginning. Which is interesting that that was the tipping point. Yeah, and they were just like, I try to ignore the politics up till now because I know you guys love Biden and hate Trump and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And I'm I like, don't you, love Biden. You have not been listening very closely. You have not been listening closely. <laughs> you work on your close listening skills. It was just funny because I was like, yeah. here in Bernie Sanders' homeland, now is when I get the hate mail. Also, I'm That's, on vacation. So, you know, I, I'm yeah. not sorry. I'll do it again. Well, I think so. I did not read this email because my constitution is very delicate and weak, and I would crumple like a tiny flower. I've been having a very stressful school year, so the tiniest thing I did not show the email to Sasha. (laughs) The tiniest thing would set me off. So, like she she gave me like the long and short of it, Mm -hmm. but it started with like love what you're doing, keep up the good work. But didn't it end with with, like a middle middle finger finger emoji? emoji. So it's like chef's kiss. Like, t- which, what which are you trying you to do want? tonally? That's, yeah. So anyway, that's the, that was it. In general, this is in an airport. You don't need to announce your departure. I'm very mm-hmm. sorry if you don't want to keep listening, but it's a personal choice. I'm not going to force you and I'm not going to take it personally. So do what you're going to do. Don't let the door hit you. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I doubt they're still listening, but on the off chance that yeah. they are. In 
happier news, though, if you want to support us, yes. we do still have Patreon. And the other day, we dropped Fat Bear Week content. Because it's which Fat Bear Week. By the time this episode drops, Fat Bear Week will be on Fat T- Bear Tuesday. Today, which yes. Is like, today we yeah, find so out the winner of Fat Bear Week. The winner of Fat Bear Week. Hashtag um, Team Walker. Yeah, we are Team Walker. Yep. But if Otis wins, we will also be happy. We will also be happy because our top two were Walker and Otis. But I still think Walker's going to... Yeah, I still think Walker is like, his ass does not quit. So It's Tuesday. Go check the results. Yeah. I know <laughs> we might who, be wrong. Yeah, right? we could it could be, be 132 could be, Cub. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be bananas. That would be so funny. That was the other thing. So... As I said, I was in Vermont. We stayed in, like, this cabin. Yeah. There were no street lights on the street we were on. So as soon as you turned onto the road we were on, only about mm, 20 feet of it was paved, and then it was just dirt road, pitch black, woods. At one point, we heard a coyote. It was very exciting and very spooky. <laughs> I was afraid of murderers being in the woods. It was a whole thing. Oh. <laughs> so that's the, that's the other spooky thing that happened to me. What are we talking about this week? What are we talking about? Well, we're going to go back back up north to the northeast mm-hmm. of the United States, yep. up to New England. In honor of we're the just vacation about, I just took. Yeah, we're just going to talk about some spooky shit that happens up there. Yep. I'll say that my thing is not that, my main thing is not that spooky, it's more weird. It's just that Julia went to Massachusetts this summer oh. and told me about something and it. Like, I really want to go there now. Yeah, I'm just like, man, it's, beautiful. Like, it's not, I'm going up to Boston for a wedding. Mm, you're well, shipping really up Boston. to Boston. We're, going to, we're, we're shipping up to Framingham, Massachusetts oh, for a wedding in November. And then we're spending one night in Boston. <laughs> Fortunately, we are not going to be close enough to, to this thing. But I'm oh. like, man, I really want to go to that thing. Okay. And I think you and I should go up to that thing. I agree. I would love yeah. to go back to New England. If you've never been to New England, I highly recommend it. Yeah. Even when we were there, it wasn't fully blown fall. I imagine right now it, the state has exploded with leaf peepers. But even then, <laughs> though, you were still getting some autumnal colors. It was mm-hmm. gorgeous. Rolling mountains, beautiful lakes, syrup, Aww. cheese. Like, forget about it. Mm. It was amazing. So I want to go up there and get some syrup. Oh, yeah. We got a I big... had maple walnut ice cream today at uh, in Clifton. I got, it was okay. We got a big thing of fancy syrup, and that's what mm. I'm going to be using to make my maple fat bear wheat cookies tomorrow. So. Yum, 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 yum. Anyway, so we're talking about New England. We have talked about New England before. We did it a couple years ago for 4th of July, I think. But yeah, we talked and we've ab- talked about Salem as well before. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, at first, I'm going to open with talking about the exorcism of Maurice Theriault. So this comes from MassLive.com, Wikipedia, Collider.com, CountryLiving.com, WVLT.TV, CouriePress.com, History.com, and I listed Wikipedia a second time. So that's how my life's going. And that's a good reminder from me, Specifically Sasha. Sasha. Specifically me, that Wikipedia is great. Give them money sometimes. I give them $4 a month. Sometimes when I have a PayPal charge, I it'll be like, "Do you wanna do you wanna round up and give some money to Wikimedia?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure, Don't go nuts." Mind about it. <laughs> yeah, so right. that was from me, Sasha. Thanks, Sasha, for expressing your personal opinion that I have no shaping or impact on. I started a new job this week, y'all. It's a weird time. Anyway. <laughs> One of the most well-known paranormal occurrences in New England history is the possession and eventual exorcism of Maurice Frenchie Theriault. Frenchie had a difficult childhood, only getting through the third grade before being pulled out to focus full-time on working long hours on his family's farm. 
Unfortunately, Frenchie's dad was an asshole and was extremely abusive. And Mm. as Frenchie grew up, the abuse got worse and his father routinely beat him. Oh, shit. According to the lore surrounding Frenchie, he started asking anyone he could for help surviving his circumstances, even unknowingly pleading to Satan. Uh-oh. He also witnessed something traumatic in the family barn, but it was so horrific, full details were never shared. Jesus. It may have been X-rated. There's an implication that it was something that involved sex in some capacity, but there's literally, there's no details. It's just like he saw Mm. some fucked up shit in the barn, and... That fucked him up. That fucked him up. So Uh. Frenchie was forced to watch these terrible acts and even potentially participate in them. Again, we don't have full details, but he just, he saw something bad. But basically, he was traumatized. He was traumatized. Like, yeah. Fucking A, he was traumatized. In a big way. In a big way. So after what happened in the barn, Frenchie was not the same. Weirdly, he found that he had inhuman strength now. And he had extremely detailed knowledge of things that he had never learned. He even started being able to speak Latin, and he could even speak it backwards. Call the exorcist. <laughs> yeah, it's like, ring, ring, hello, <laughs> ring, guess ring. what's happening? <laughs> not the plumber, not the electrician. It's exorcist time. They didn't call the exorcist, though. Eventually, he left the family farm and drifted around New England for years until the spring of 1985, when things took a turn for the strange and spooky. Suddenly, Frenchie would bleed from his eyes, boils and crosses would erupt on his skin, and blood would appear at random in his house, and he was still supernaturally, inhumanly strong. What when Frenchie fuck? started appearing in two places at once, which, if you did not know, is called bilocation, when it's like you see somebody mm-hmm. in two places with bilocation. So he started doing that, and that's when the pros got involved. And this is why we know so much about them, because the people who were called were Ed and Lorraine Warren. We've talked about the Warrens before, mm-hmm. but in case you need a refresher course, they are paranormal searchers. They're the ones who run that paranormal museum of, like, the weird yeah. shit. They're the ones who have Annabelle. They're the protagonists of the Conjuring movies. You know, those Warrens. So this is yeah. who they call. They're like, hey, what's going on with Frenchie? Who you going to call? The, the Warrens! Warrens. <laughs> <laughs> So, the Warrens are now involved. They were able to officially diagnose the cause of Frenchie's perils as demonic possession. They believed that whatever he saw in the barn put an evil spirit into him. They called in Bishop Robert McKenna to perform an exorcism to get the demon out. Mm -hmm. During the exorcism, Frenchie continued to display otherworldly symptoms, including one point where his entire head split open, which the Warrens claimed to have on film. (laughs) What the fuck? Tables rose off the floor, but ultimately the bishop and the Warrens won the battle and declared the exorcism successful. Frenchie was now free of his demon. Except he wasn't. Oh, Jesus. Seven years after the exorcism, Frenchie shot and injured his wife before taking his own life. Oh, no. After the tragedy, his sister denounced the Warrens, saying the possession was a sham and that Frenchie had faked his bloody tears and Latin speaking. The Warrens disputed this, obviously, because that's Mm -hmm. their thing. They said that they put him in the hospital initially, and he was there for six weeks to try and find an earthly explanation for all the things that were wrong with him. But the doctors couldn't explain it. The possession, subsequent exorcism, and violence remain the stuff of mysteries to this day. Although, if you've seen The Conjuring and The Nun, which apparently takes Mm -hmm. place in the Conjuring universe, there's a throwaway reference to the exorcism of Frenchie in there. They say there was a farmer named Maurice Theriault who was 
exercised by the Warrens. They give, like, a presentation on it. Oh. The Warrens also documented the story in their co-written book, Satan's Harvest. And that's the exorcism of Maurice Frenchie Theriault. Huh. Yeah. I, a few weeks ago, I fell down two rabbit holes. One was a rabbit hole about the purge, where oh. I was yes, like... Yes, we talked about that. Yeah, I was like, I need to s- figure out, like, what what all happens in what's the purge universe, the purge? and, like, what's the timeline, and blah, 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 blah. Was the other rabbit hole a literal rabbit hole that you fell down after you fell on that snake? No. Oh. That would be really funny, though. That would no. be. You um, the, I, first the, snake, the other then rabbit, the rabbit hole, hole was <laughs> about the conjuring and like the nun in that whole universe, where I was yeah. just like, "What?" Like, there's so many movies that are affiliated with each other, mm-hmm. and then it's like there's an entire timeline and mm-hmm. like an entire like the sequence nun of is events. A prequel and it, like, builds to the up. conjuring because apparently yeah. Maurice is in the nun, and at the end he's like, "I think I'm gonna go farm," and the implication is whatever demon they fight in the nun is hopped into. It hopped yeah. into Maurice, and then The Conjuring opens with they're giving a presentation about the exorcism they did on Maurice. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm t- still too much of a weenie to oh, for sure. watch any of those movies. One thousand, even if I, no matter how much I read about it, like right now, everyone is like Squid Game, and I was like, seems too violent for me. I'm going to read everything about it, and mm-hmm. then I watched three episodes of Jack today, because I was like, I now know everything about it, so hey. nothing's going to scare me. Oh, smart. Is it still super violent and unsettling? Yeah, but I feel like I've grown... You're okay. Neither de- you're not desensitized. I've, I've looked away from the screen a lot. Most of the violence so far has just been gunshots. Oh, but okay. I know that there's other stuff coming, Yeah, and I was like, Jack, you can watch the rest of it without me. Like, yeah. It's okay. Actually, I fell down a third rabbit hole the other day. <laughs> I just remembered it was about... Okay, there's this book called Horror Store that I think we've talked about before. It's yes. like a horror novel it's that like takes Ikea. place in Ikea, yeah. right? And so I was looking at like what else this author has been working working on and he worked on a book uh, most recently called the final girls support group or something like that and it's basically a support group for all of the final girls from like our major like horror slasher films Mm -hmm. over the last you know like 30 40 years and then what happens when one of the final girls gets picked off from this group you know and at this point all the final girls are like middle-aged women Mm -hmm. and so like what happens there so i was like ooh. Man, this is a book, so I could probably read it and I'd be fine. Because I could skip the scary part. Because I could skip the scary parts, where I could like skim, like re- you know, speed read or and like get over the your, yeah, like the, I'll turn the, my the imagination vi- off for stuff I yeah, don't want to read. The, yeah, I'm going to turn off it my imagination for the violent parts. Right? It's on a page. It's fine. But then I was like, well, well, let, let me let me read about Scream. Let me read about Friday the Thirteenth. I read about let Scream read some about, time ago. And so I ended up reading every single Wikipedia <laughs> page for like every single horror movie that's Oops. come out in the last thirty years. And I was like, "What am I doing? I have other things I have to be doing right now, nope. and instead I'm this reading about Scream." Yeah. <laughs> so that was that was the yeah. I love it. Uh, it's spooky season, y'all. <laughs> Happy spooky season! It's officially spooky season, even if you don't celebrate it until the first of October. We're in it now. Yeah. It's time uh, to read your horror movie Wikipedia page. <laughs> Let's if, go. If you've read Final Girls Support Group, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm really thinking about reading it because I did read, I read Horror Store, but I did s- skip a lot of parts. Also, why didn't they call it Storer? Storer. 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 All right. Anyway, tell let's me a story. Talk about, let's talk about Hammond Castle. So Love this it. is, again, not, not 
that spooky, but definitely weird. And I really want to go check it out for myself because it seems like extremely my shit. Love it. It counts. So it's located on the Atlantic coast of Massachusetts. Okay. So east. Yep. In Gloucester, Massachusetts. Sure. And there's a castle that was constructed between 1926 and 1929 that served as the home and laboratory (gasps) of John Hayes Hammond Jr., who was an inventor and pioneer in the study of remote control. Real quick. Yeah. Again, this is how my week is going. You keep saying Hammond. So like you said, Hammond Castle, but my yeah. brain is processing it as ham and castle, like a kind of sandwich, like, <laughs> like a, a ham, ham and, and castle cheese. Sandwich. It's a ham, ham and cheese. castle. Yeah, can I get the ham and castle on wheat, please? Oh my God, that's so funny. <laughs> anyway, please you keep telling me about it. You know, I think Tesla is probably the like father of remote control, but this guy is like very much like in remote control shit. He mm-hmm. once built a remote control yacht that traveled 120 miles without a crew, and this is like Damn. in the early 20th century. So like, was he on the yacht or was he just like on the shore? Like, no, on the shore, like controlling the yacht. Damn, 150 yeah. miles. That's an intense. Remote 120. Control. Yeah, 120. but that's still but impressive. Still. Yeah. Oh, it's um, only 120. Never mind. No, I'm no, not no, impressed no, anymore. Never mind. I'm not impressed anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Try going another so, 30 miles, John. John Hammond's cheese. (laughs) (laughs) So Hammond was actually, like, as a young boy, very enamored with Thomas Edison and had the fortune as a child to visit Edison and asked him so many questions that Edison was like, I like this kid, and, like, took him (laughs) under his wing and became Hammond's mentor. And so Hammond, like, kind of had that leg up, and he became second to Edison himself for the most invention patents filed. Wow. Yeah, so this is, like, a big deal guy. So, our inventor guy was also an avid traveler, and he had a strong interest in history, and with all of this, he was, like, a pretty quirky person. Sure. So, his home really reflected this. The building itself is composed of modern, for 20th century, and 15th, 16th, and 18th century architectural elements, so you can imagine this being kind of an architectural mess. Sure. There's a I forgot to say my sources, Wikipedia, HammondCastle.org, NewEnglandWithLove.com, Atlas Obscura, and NewEnglandFolklore.blogspot. And on Wikipedia, if you go look for the Hammond Castle page, there's actually a really cool GIF where it has this, like, aerial view of the castle and colorizes, like, which parts of the house are from, like, different centuries, like, architecture, which is, like, pretty cool. So it definitely does look... Like, it doesn't make sense from the outside, though, because you've got, like, a 15th century... Winchester mystery house style. Right. Like, on one end, you have a 15th century French chateau, and then next to that is a 13th century French Gothic cathedral, and next to that is a 13th century castle, and then, like, a very modern research lab, and then at the end is, like, this, like, bell tower and cloister... (laughs) It's just like, what what am I looking at here? But yeah, so so his it's a mess and overlooks Gloucester Harbor. And at present it does operate as a museum and displays Hammond's collection of Roman, medieval, and Renaissance artifacts and has exhibitions about Hammond and his family. The main rooms of the house include a Renaissance dining room, a round library, a war room, secret passageways. We love a secret <gasps> passageway. We love a secret um, passageway. And an indoor pool. <laughs> That's not just an indoor pool by itself. Is but it at it the end has, of the secret passageway? I don't know about that, Damn. but it has 
a weather control system that he invented himself that allowed him to set conditions. So if he wanted to swim in the rain, he could make it rain. Oh my God, that's amazing. And I right? want one right this second. <laughs> I was like, so, <laughs> first off, why? But also, wow, that's amazing. I mean, I mean, have you ever swum in the rain? It's a weird feeling because you come up and then you're still getting oh, yeah, wet. It's like being in like a, like a hot tub when it's raining. Yeah. Yeah, I've done that before. Yeah. yeah. It's a weird feeling. Really ooh, weird thing. I could see why you would want to swim in the rain. Yeah. And so the house also has an ancient church archway carved from lava from Mount Vesuvius. (laughs) And also he got the bones of someone who sailed with Columbus. Maybe. He said he wanted bones of someone who sailed on the Nina the Pinta or the Santa Maria. Sure. And someone and was some like, people yeah, gave him a I've bag of bones. <laughs> so he's got someone's skull. He has, he has bones of some variety. <laughs> he has some bones. He has a skull. Some other choice details include he has a collection of 15th century facades because he wanted to create a little medieval village that he could wander around in. Whom among us hasn't had that thought? <laughs> right? That part reminded me of this part in The Great Gatsby where... Like, Nick Carraway is describing these houses that were supposed to have little thatched roofs and, like, look like a little village. And then the people who lived in the houses told the big rich man who wanted this to happen. They're like, no, like, we're not rich, but we don't want to be peasants. (laughs) (laughs) It makes me think of when I was a kid, I read this book called Running Out of Time. If you read, I believe it was called Running Out of Time. I love Running Out of Time. That book is the shit. So that book. Begs a lot of questions, because basically, like, the mom signed them up to essentially live in a museum where they're reenacting, like, right. all the time. They're living in, like, the 18th century or whatever, yeah. and but it's modern times. Yeah. But that's what it reminds me of, is, like, I just want to see what it would be like. So it's like you go to this museum and you see, like, actual people, but the kids are brought up to think that it's it's really that. But then that's the, the other weird thing is, like, they need to get medicine because there's, like, a diphtheria outbreak or something mm-hmm. that we have treatment for now. But none but of the museum people are going to interfere. No, all the museum people are like, I guess you'll die then. We'll see how this plays out. <laughs> Which seems unethical, but right. I'm not a museum employee, so what do I know? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. That book is bananas. That I book, love it. As a kid, I was like, this all tracks. But yeah. now as an adult, I'm like, they wouldn't just give them the medicine? Like, somebody yeah. was, because there's there's There was definitely rock. some kind of conspiracy or, like, some issue yeah, there. there was, yeah, because there was a rock that they weren't allowed to climb on because at the end of the rock was the cameras so that they could be, like, on camera all the time. So people were monitoring them. They yeah. knew there was this whatever outbreak of whatever disease. Mm-hmm. Bananas. And they were like, well, just let this play out and see what happens. <laughs> And then he also had a covered courtyard where because he wanted to have tropical plants mm-hmm. in New England. And he made it work somehow. He had this like like steam pipes and like heated thing. It was just He made a weather machine. I believe he, he could yeah, do anything. Like, and again, this Yeah. He's an inventor. Again, second most patents after Edison. Yeah. Right. He also has a pond that was actually a swimming pool. Sure. And it was colored in such a way that it you can't see how like deep it is. And so whenever Hammond and his 
wife had parties to freak out his guests, he would like jump off a balcony or a Roman sarcophagus or some other funeral monument that he <laughs> happened to have in the garden. And he would dive into the pond that people thought was shallow. And then he'd like sink in and then come back up. And he's like, ha ha, Fuji, because I, he was a clown. I realize we have the, built kind of a cult of personality around Nikola Tesla is like, he's the crazy guy. Yeah. He's the zany no. scientist. Hammond seems way out crazy. Like, I want to know more about this man. That's why yeah. I really want to go to this house, because I, like, need to see, see yes. this. Yes, I agree. Let's go. He, we should go. He also has a gigantic pipe organ that was built over the course of 10 years, consisting of 8,400 pipes and featuring 19 of his patents for pipe organ technology. Unfortunately, Damn. he couldn't actually play it himself, so he would just hire <laughs> some of the greatest organists in the world to play it for him. Of course. <laughs> then, I love that. I can't play the organ, but I'm going to build this really baller one. What, what I'm like the like as I think more about this, I'm getting like Gatsby vibes. Yeah, but like if Gatsby, it's like, like if Gatsby and Willy Wonka had a baby. Yeah, and also Tesla, and also Tesla got in the mix too, like a yeah. weird Tesla Wonka Gatsby baby. Yeah, and he did not die in his swimming pool, so oh, well, because his swimming pool was deep enough to dive in. Sure. He also has a naked statue of himself in the style of Greek sculpture, complete with penis, that he gave to his wife as a gift. And she hated it. I was going to say, <laughs> did she accept it gracefully and say, oh, thanks, I love no, she it. hated it and she put it outside. <laughs> but during parties, guests would remove the fig leaf that she would use to hide his ding dong. And she an <laughs> annoyed her so much that like people could just like see his like sculpture penis <laughs> that she had one welded on. Like she covered up his shame Amazing. for it. <laughs> but I want to party with these people. They right? sound fun. <laughs> but there is some spookiness. Sure. Apparently he and his wife loved cats. Who doesn't? Had I mean, right, who doesn't? Cats are Okay, They're I'm wearing amazing. a sweatshirt that has Gigi from Kiki's delivery service on it. I love it. There's a cat I behind love, me somewhere. I, yeah, there, there is a cat who keeps walking in and out of my office. But they loved cats. They had a lot of cats. Mm -hmm. And whenever one passed on, they would have very elaborate funerals for each one. Sure. Because, I mean, what cat owner wouldn't do that for them? True. He also frequently requested that he be reincarnated as a cat. And after his death in 1965, a large black cat just kind of randomly appeared in the house and would just, like, sit in his favorite chair. So he did come back as a cat. He turned into is, a fucking cat. He turned into a fucking cat. I love it. And then while uh, the Hammonds were alive, outside of science, they were also interested in spiritualism and experimented in contacting the dead, which is, I think, why he got to be reincarnated as a cat, because he yeah. like totally believed in it. Yeah. He, Hammond built a Faraday cage to block electric currents and hired psychic mediums to contact the dead with this cage. The hope was that... This cage would limit interference from the living world and enable mediums to contact the spirits more purely. Don't know if it worked, but the floor of the Great Hall now has a permanent bleached spot from <laughs> on it because of the electromagnetic current of the cage. <laughs> and there are some rumors of hauntings, like that Mrs. Irene Hammond has, you know, like looks out the windows of the house. She has to make sure that nobody's taking the fig leaf off the ding dong. Right, exactly. Yeah. And that sometimes there's this, like, mysterious red-haired woman who will, like, crash weddings on the property and then just, like, quickly vanish. Amazing. I want to go to there. Yes, let's. Apparently there's, like, some kind of grotto-y thing there, too, that I'm, like, really, Not like, surprised. I want to go. Yeah, I want let's to. go. So, yeah, I just want to go to there. I love it. 
Yeah. So that was the Hammond Castle, and we're going yeah. to go to there at some point. And yes. then we're going to get lobster rolls, and it's going to be great. We're going to get lobster rolls. We're going to pack a car in the car pack as we eat a lobster. <laughs> we're going to go see the socks. So sorry. <laughs> so sorry. So anyway, sorry. are you ready for me to be a heckin' bummer and tell you about the Bennington Triangle? Yes. Okay. Scare me, please. So this comes from Wikipedia, VermontVacation.com, which is what I just took, mm-hmm. AllThat'sInteresting.com, Medium.com, Bustle.com, and NewEnglandGhostStories.com. For the record, I don't think Vermont Vacation has anything to do with vacations. I think that's just what they call their website. Oh. <laughs> so when we last talked about New England, I know we talked about the Bridgewater Triangle, but mm-hmm. there is a second spooky triangle. So as we know, Vermont is peak hiking country. It is mm-hmm. rural. It's nestled in the mountains. There are so many trees. It's beautiful all the time. But there's an area formed by the ghost town of Glastonbury, Grout Pond, and the Glastonbury Mountain that is the site of something much darker. Mm. The Bennington Triangle. Mm. Joseph A. Citro, Vermont author and so-called ghost master general. <laughs> Genuinely, I found a website that referred to him as the ghost master general. I am going to quit my job <laughs> and I am going to do everything in my power to become ghost master general. I support you in this. I will campaign with you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Joseph A. Citro, Vermont author and so-called ghost master general, coined the term Bennington Triangle in recognition of a string of unsolved disappearances that began 70 years ago. Let's Mm. dive in. So, first, Glastonbury was a lumber town that was established shortly after the Civil War. It was abandoned in the late 1800s when the logging boom died down, so everybody was like, oh, trees aren't a thing anymore, let's let's go. So it kind of got reclaimed by the wilderness, and so even by Vermont standards, it's considered pretty remote. And then in 1945... Over the course of five years, at least five people disappeared in that area. So this is where it gets its spooky reputation. It all started when Mitty Rivers, a 74-year-old experienced hunter, disappeared while leading a hunting party of his four friends. The crew trekked up Glastonbury Mountain, but on the return trip, Mitty got ahead of the group and vanished. An extensive search began, but it was called early. After all, Mitty was an experienced woodsman. Surely he's going to be able to survive the woods a couple of days. He's going to reemerge in town with a great story. Nothing to worry about. Except he didn't. Mm. Eventually, more than 300 locals and the U.S. Army would convene on what would come to be known as the Bennington Triangle to look for Mitty. But after eight days, the only thing they found was a single rifle cartridge thought to belong to Mitty. And it had been found in a stream. Mitty was never seen again. And his body was never found. Then, about a year goes by. It's now December mm-hmm. 1st, 1946. And college sophomore Paula Jean Weldon sets out for a hike on the Long Trail. Which runs smack dab in the middle of the Bennington Triangle. Mm. She stopped to ask an employee of the Bennington Banner for directions. Then she was spotted wearing a red sweater on the trail itself by an elderly couple walking about 100 yards behind her. She turned a corner on the trail, and then she disappeared. Mm. Paula didn't turn up to her classes on Monday, and no one on campus had seen her since she went for her hike. More than 1,000 people turned up for a search of the woods, and a $5,000 reward was offered for information that led to Paula's discovery. Eventually, the FBI got involved, but no trace of her was ever found. Mm. 
No. This is particularly odd as Paula was not wearing a jacket on the day she disappeared. During the day, temperatures were in the 50s, but at night it dropped to 9 degrees. So if she had fallen prey to the elements, why wasn't there a shred of evidence that Paula had ever been in the area? You know, Mm. even if she Mm -hmm. had died of exposure because it was very cold, she would have left a body behind. Right. Paula's father criticized the authorities for botching the case, saying that they did not have a plan in place when they started to look for his daughter. Fun fact, Paula's case was the spark that caused the creation of the Vermont State Police. Prior to that, there was no Vermont State Police Force. Oh. A driver came forward to say that he picked up a hitchhiker that matched Paula's description, and another group of hikers say they had seen her further along the long trail, but neither eyewitness account led to information about where Paula was. To this day, Paula has never been found, and the case remains open. Some rumors speculate that she moved to Canada with a boyfriend, or she retreated to the mountains to become a recluse. Her disappearance eventually inspired Shirley Jackson's second novel, Hangs a Man, in 1951. Jackson's husband worked at Bennington College when Paula disappeared, so the two may have been involved in the initial searches for her. Like, they they were living in the area. Uh If you lived in the area, it was basically impossible to have not heard about the disappearance of Paula. The story of the novel very loosely follows the events of December 1st, 1946. In Hangs a Man, the protagonist is a 17-year-old named Natalie Waite, who longed to go to school to escape her rough upbringing and awful parents. But once she arrives at school, Natalie realizes that college doesn't fix what was fundamentally wrong. Instead, she now faces new fears, anxieties, and challenges. Eventually, Natalie is no longer sure of what is real and what is taking place in her dark imagination. Oh. Obviously, this is Shirley Jackson took a lot of liberties with it. Sure. Most most likely, this this story was already kicking around when Mm -hmm. Paula disappeared. It just kind of took a different shape when Paula vanished. Right. So, two people now missing. But after the initial flurry of disappearances, the Bennington Triangle went quiet for exactly three years. Hmm. Then on December 1st, 1949, which is three years to the day after Paula's disappearance, veteran James E. Tedford, a resident of the Bennington Soldiers' home, boarded a bus from St. Albans, Vermont, after visiting relatives. Numerous eyewitnesses, including the bus driver, watched James get on the bus and ride it to the second-to-last stop on the line. But between the second-to-last stop and the Bennington stop, James vanished. (gasps) The bus had made no stops between those final two, and James's belongings were still on the bus, and his open bus timetable remained on his seat. He had seemingly vanished into thin air while inside a moving vehicle with no one noticing his departure. Uh, Weirder still, the route traveled was Route 7, and James vanished as the bus crossed through the Bennington Triangle. So this is a bus full of people. Nobody saw what happened to James. He was there, and then he was just gone. All his stuff was still there. He left an open timetable. Nobody uh, saw anything. He was just abruptly gone. Oh my god. And he definitely didn't get off at the second to last stop because they all saw him still on the bus. Right. So this was considered to be more of a supernatural disappearance. Like, clearly something got him that made him just poof into thin air. So after this supernatural disappearance, the Bennington Triangle ramped up its spookiness. 
On October 12th, 1950, so only about 10 months after the most recent uh-huh. disappearance. On October 12th, 1950, 8-year-old Paul Jeffson accompanied his mother in the family pickup truck to the nearby dump where the family served as caretakers. His mother left to tend to some pigs on the grounds, and when she returned, Paul was gone. Even though he had been wearing a red jacket and should have been easy to spot, there were no witness accounts of what happened to him after he was left in the truck. She left him happily playing in a locked truck. She came back, and it was empty. Mm -hmm. One story claimed that bloodhounds tracked the boy to a local highway near where Paula Weldon had disappeared four years earlier, which is smack dab in the middle of the Bennington Triangle. No trace of Paul was ever found. Some speculated that Paul's parents killed him and fed him to the pigs because, as we all know from various murder cases of the years, pigs will eat anything, including bone. As Cletus, the slack-jawed yokel, has said on The Simpsons, It's true. If someone tells you a pig won't eat a finger, they's lying. Mm-hmm. It's true. Pig will absolutely eat a finger. Mm-hmm. So people are like, oh, well, clearly his parents killed him and then just fed him to the pigs, so that's why there's mm-hmm. no body. Mm-hmm. But Paul's own father told the Albany Times Union that it was, quote, the lure of the mountains that had called to Paul, saying that the boy had talked of nothing else for days prior to his disappearance. Just the lure of the mountains. Mm. Then, only 16 days after Paul disappeared, the fifth disappearance happened. Frida Langer, 53, and her cousin Herbert Elsner left their family campsite near the Somerset Reservoir on October 28, 1950. The two were going on a hike, but early on and only about half a mile away from their starting point, Frida slipped and fell into a stream. She told Herbert to wait for her because she was going to double back to the campsite, change into dry clothes, and then catch up to him. Remember, we're half a mile away. I've walked a half a mile today. It's not that far. No. So Herbert waited and then he waited waited. and he waited some more but frida the experienced hiker and survivalist did not turn up herbert doubled back to the campsite where frida's husband was resting having hurt his knee earlier in the trip but frida wasn't at the campsite and her husband hadn't seen her by all accounts she did not come back in fact herbert would be the last person to see frida alive Over the next two weeks, five searches were conducted, bringing in Coast Guard and Army helicopters, citizen aircraft, and as many as 400 volunteers to try and find Frida. Nothing turned up over the course of the search, but six months later, on May 12, 1951, Frida became the first and last person to disappear in the Bennington Triangle, whose body would later be found. Oh. Weirdly... Her body was found near Somerset Reservoir in an area that had been extensively searched during the initial days of looking for her. Uh, so she was found in a place where they had already looked. And right. keep in mind, they had aircraft. They had a ton of people looking for her. It's not like, oops, she was behind a boulder and we just didn't look behind the boulder. They thoroughly searched for it. Right. So no cause of death was ever determined because of the state of her body when it was found. The only thread seemingly connecting these five disappearances, besides that they all occurred in the Bennington Triangle, is the color red, which would come to be known as an unlucky color to wear in the Bennington Triangle. Weirder still, a few years ago, the body of a Connecticut woman nicknamed Red was found in the gravel pit near Somerset Reservoir. Her nickname was Red, and then her skeletal remains were found. Cause of death was never determined. Then, in August of 2021, that's this year, 
73-year-old Joseph Schoenig took his own life near the Somerset Reservoir. His body was later found in his red truck. Oh. So, what happened to all these people? And why does the Bennington Triangle hate the color red? Seriously. Some think that there was a potential serial killer prowling the woods during that five-year streak, and that's why maybe he cooled off. Maybe he went to prison for another crime. Maybe he moved somewhere else. Sure. I think maybe it was just a serial killer who just was seeing an opportunity, who was just in the area, and he just kept getting lucky. Some point the finger at the local Bennington monster, a creature in the Sasquatch family that allegedly roams the woods near the Glastonbury Mountain. Fun fact, the Bennington monster was first spotted in the early 19th century, which is around the time the the town of Glastonbury was established. Uh Uh-huh. And he was spotted by a group traveling via stagecoach, and they got stopped because the road had washed out. So they're like, okay, let's just turn the coach around. While Mm -hmm. they were turning around, they saw a pair of glowing eyes. (laughs) The creature that owned those eyes then attacked the coach, knocking it onto its side before retreating into the darkness. Don't like that. It's possible that the Bennington monster got these people. But the darkness of the Bennington Triangle predates the disappearances that would eventually plague it, and it even predates the establishment of Glastonbury. So first, let's talk about the establishment of Glastonbury. In 1867, so this is right after we're like, let's set up a logging town, we're going to call it Glastonbury, let's do this. Right. Residents began reporting that they were seeing a cave-dwelling wild man and he was terrorizing local women. <laughs> According to witness accounts, the Glastonbury wild man would pull back his long coat to reveal his naked body and wave a pistol wildly before retreating back to the forest. I hate it. Yeah, it's a real bummer, because first of all, nobody wants to see your ding-a-ling. Let's no. cement a fig leaf to it. Right. Two, pistol, pick one thing to do, creepy guy. Right. Like, oh don't do God. both. Pick one. <sighs> Ideally, don't do either, but if you have to do one, just do one. Then, in 1892, Fayville, a town at the center of the Bennington Triangle, was the site of a terrible murder. 38-year-old John Crowley, a jobber at the local sawmill, was bludgeoned to death with a rock by fellow mill worker Henry McDowell. McDowell later turned himself in, saying that the voices in his head compelled him to commit the crime. Mm. When he was committed to the Vermont State Asylum, McDowell made a break for it, hiding in a train car hauling coal and getting the hell out of town. Mm. Some claim that McDowell's restless spirit eventually came back to roam the forest where he had committed the crime. So maybe the disappearances were because of this ghost. Five years after McDowell's escape, another murder happened in the Bennington Triangle. This time, John Harbour, who was a prominent figure in local circles, traveled to Bickford Hollow for the first day of deer season. He was shot dead and dragged to a nearby cedar tree where he slowly bled out, with his fully loaded rifle placed neatly beside him. No suspects were ever identified. Uh. But even before the murders and before the Glastonbury Wild Man, there were tales that, the, that claimed the area was cursed. Mm-hmm. According to one Algonquian legend, Glastonbury Mountain is the site of both an ancient curse and a man-eating stone. The stone, oh. if stepped on, would eat any unfortunate trespassers, causing them to vanish without a trace. So you oh, just step sucks. on the long rock and just boop. There were also mysterious lights in the sky that were reported in the mid-1800s that continued well into the 20th century, with one 1984 sighting describing them as silo-like lights jetting from the heavens. 
This has led to speculation that the area is a stomping ground for extraterrestrial visitors. Mm. So maybe the five of them got taken by aliens. Sure, why not? Why not? But whatever the reason, the Bennington Triangle is a site where only the brave or foolhardy tread. But if you decide you want to trek the cursed trails, don't wear red. Ooh. Spooky. Spooky. I love this. The, the pragmatic side of me is like, they say when you get lost in the woods, and this is just good general advice, if you get lost in the woods, stop moving. Yeah. Don't try to find your way back. Just stay put. They will find you if you stay put. If you wander, mm-hmm. you become harder to find. So yeah. plunk your keister down, meester, and just stay put. Mm-hmm. So that part of me is like, Several of these people probably just got turned around and continued to wander. Yeah. Particularly the woman whose body was found in an area they had already searched. Yeah. Possibly she was just wandering around, whereas if she'd just plunked herself down, maybe they would have found her. Mm-hmm. The little boy, there's speculation that because they were parked kind of by a highway and bloodhounds traced the scent to there, it's possible he was abducted by someone driving mm-hmm. by. And so maybe his body was dumped in another state, in another area, someplace mm-hmm. where he would have been a John Doe and he wouldn't necessarily have been identified. Mm-hmm. So the pragmatist in me says this is just a series of coincidences in this one very small part of Vermont. Right. But the spooky fun part of me is like, holy shit, it's the Bermuda Triangle part two in New England. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just weird. It's a lot of disappearances for a relatively short amount of time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Especially yeah, it makes this spooky part of my brain like tingle like goes yeah. like, this is so interesting. Yeah. I don't <laughs> but like also it. I will not wear red and go hiking. No. That's the other thing. Like all of these stories, almost everyone in them is wearing some garment of red and it is brought up so regularly because they're like, if you're wearing red, you're easy to spot. That's why right. it's so weird when Paula disappeared because, you know, 100 yards, yeah, it's a decent amount. But once they turned that corner, you should be able to see the red sweater in the distance. Right. It's a red sweater in a green forest. Like, yeah. Like, you're supposed to wear bright colors so, like, you don't get shot if yeah. by a hunter or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, uh. <laughs> and then the hunter thing is weird. I'm like, okay, if it was a hunting accident, why did they just drag him and leave him to die? And why did they place his rifle next to him? Right. That's weird. And why yeah. didn't he try to shoot the person who shot him if it was, like, a malicious murder? Right. Unless it was a Bigfoot. <laughs> what gives? What gives? What gives? Anyway. <laughs> anyway, that was spooky. Yeah, so that's been us revisiting New England spookiness. Do yeah. you live in New England? Do you have more spookiness for us? Email spookbar at gmail.com or DM this us I- on our social media. This actually makes me want to go back and I'm... I don't play any of the Dark Pictures anthology games by myself. Like, I've played sure. Until Dawn with my brother, mm-hmm. but the other ones are, like, a little too spooky for me to play by myself, so I usually just, like, watch someone else play them online. Right. There's this game called Little Hope, and I that, I think, is supposed to kind of take place in New England, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, maybe I'll go watch a Let's Play of that and not yeah. sleep tonight. <laughs> there you go. Let's just really spook ourselves. That's the yeah. thing. We're recording this at night, so it is dark outside. Yeah. Yeah. We usually record during the day. And usually in the afternoon on like a Sunday and so we're it's recording like Saturday nice and night casual, because many we don't hours, want to sleep tonight. Yeah. We're, many hours <laughs> usually pass before the sun goes down. Not tonight, though. Tonight not we're tonight. like, who's sleeping? Not me. Not me. <laughs> Tell us your spooky stories. Do you know stories about the Bennington Triangle? Have you been to Hammond Castle? Yeah. What's, what's going on there? Have you been to other, like, 
weird houses a la Winchester Mansion, Hammond Castle that we haven't talked about yet or you want to tell us about like weird places, tell us. Tell us about weird places. It doesn't have to be in New England. But if you have any spooky places in New England that we haven't talked about yet, tell us about them. If you've been on a good ghost tour in New England or in Mm -hmm. Albany, email spookbrowdgmail.com. We love hearing from you. Even if you sign out with a middle finger emoji. We didn't love getting that, but it was an experience. So, you know. Do what you're gonna do. <laughs> do what I'm you will. Don't wear red. <laughs> yeah. Don't send mixed messages. Don't send mixed messages. Pick your message. Either wave your dingling or wave your pistol. Don't do pick both. Pick one. Yeah. Like ideally, don't do either. But if you have to do something, just stay pick in one. your lane. Yeah. Stay in your lane. Thrive. Wash your face. Wash your hands. Drink lots of water. We love Drink you. Lots Take of water. care of yourselves. Make good choices, and for real, do not wear red on that fucking trail. Hey, Andrew. Hey, Maddie. Do you like horror movies? I sure do. Well, did you know that most horror movies are inspired by real-life horror? Really? Like what? Well, take The Shining, for instance. That's based on Stephen King's real-life addictions, or The Purge, which could be our country any minute now. Oh, and The Strangers, which is based on a real-life murder. People should be talking about these things. Hey, guys. Oh, oh hey, producer, producer Michael. Michael, hi. Oh, well, I hate to break it to you, but somebody already is. It's you. <gasps> That's right. We are Friday the 13th, the podcast where we talk about horror in real life and horror in media, all from an LGBTQ perspective. Because we gay, y'all. We are proud members of the Legion Podcast Network, and we can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Come along with us on this crazy journey, and as always, get slayed. Get slayed.